What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Batman! Sir, it's the Batfoot. Yes, Commissioner. Batman? We'll be right there. Biff Bam Pal. This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We're Batman and Robin, a crime fighter. We discussed the episodes that aired earlier this week on SBS Viceland. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm an editor here at SBS, and I'm joined by a woman who, when she's asked about cake, she will demand s'mores, please. It's Fiona Williams. I'm okay with that. Hello. Yeah, because there was marshmallow on the cake in the episode. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And also joining us for the very first time here in the Batman Land Caves, it's a colleague of ours. She joined us in the studio via one of the legendary window entrances she makes. <laughs> it's Shelley Peacock. Hello, hello. So mm. happy to be here. Now, I'm very excited to have Shelley here because this is her first real Batman. Like, she's never watched the 66 Batman before. Mm. You've seen the movie, is that right? I have. I yeah. saw it at uh, the Orpheum last year for the first time, the honorary kind of tribute screening for the late, great Adam West. It's a very emotional night for everybody. Yeah. But, um, and that was the first time you'd seen the movie as well? It was, yeah. What I'd, did you think? I was pretty blown away by it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd seen only screen grabs of Adam hanging from a helicopter with a, a shark attached to his leg, but mm. actually seeing it play out uh, was pretty phenomenal. And then yeah. obviously the, the extended bomb sequence <laughs> at the end, <laughs> one of cinema's greatest. So, oh, absolutely. Great. <laughs> uh, so when you watched this, like what was your immediate thought? Because the pacing's quite different. It's, uh, mm, yeah. it's not all shark repellent and no, bombs and helicopters. But it's, it's just as good. Adam is just on point. The entirety of the way. He's so funny. Kind of reminded me of Jeff Goldblum-esque, but uh, he's just that smooth talker and so many quips. And, yeah, I, I think I'm definitely hooked now. I've, I've had a taste and I love it. <laughs> I've never really thought about him in a Jeff Goldblum context, but I do kind of see that. Yeah, well, the way Jeff Goldblum was, he was a bit of a cult hero. Now he's doing menu log ads and he's the man of the moment handing out hot dogs. And Yeah, yeah he's he's... Mr. Funny Man. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Now, this is the episode where when we started doing the podcast, I was actually most excited about doing these episodes because I love John Aston. I think he is such a phenomenal <laughs> talent. And in my mind, I have a very strong uh, recollection of as a kid loving seeing John Aston as the Riddler. And so I've been desperately waiting for these episodes. And let me, do I want to say if it lift up to the hype? Let, let's hold tight. <laughs> let's build some hype for that. Let's hold sizzle. All right. Sell the sizzle, not the steak. But Fiona, yes. I don't remember what it all happened in these episodes. Can you please remind us? All right, then. On the count of zero, activate your bat rockets because this one <laughs> is going to take some splaining. After a vague opening in which Dick learns some geometry at Stately Wayne Manor... Do you detect any pattern yet, Dick? A call on the bat phone summons the dynamic duo to a vague emergency at Petite Ballroom. A very serious situation has arisen, Batman. Commissioner Gordon can't say why. A pressing issue that requires all of Gotham City's finest to be present is the only reason. I think we should not even discuss it over the bat phone. The big reveal is it's a surprise party for Batman because it's his anniversary. Of course it is. And they play happy birthday music to celebrate. The mayor shows up to announce a $1 million donation to Batman's charity of choice, and for some reason the money is stuffed in a golden calf. The calf, please. Again, this is at a civic reception by the elected representative of Gotham, with all of the police force in attendance. And the fire brigade. The fire department is here already! Also there is Anna Graham. Miss Anna Graham, milkmaid of the month. An offsider of the Riddler, 
who is there to steal the calf and its contents. And one smoke bomb later, it's clear why the fireys were called to attend. Not fireman, Robin. Turns out the Riddler needs the money to go towards the $3 million he's raising to buy a dematerialiser machine from a foreign-accented scientist. A highly sophisticated weapon which took a lifetime to develop. Who needs the money to fund the research and development of a rematerialiser machine. I haven't even begun work on the molecular restorer for lack of funds. Riddler's clues send Batman and Robin all over Gotham City and have them square off with his crew in an underwater fight scene, yes, you heard me, and also atop a giant marshmallow quicksand cake. Now that's what I call a cake. Facing certain destruction very, very slowly. We'll be drowned, but in quicksand, so we won't get wet. Excellent. Cue another heist at the palatial penthouse apartment of an exiled dictator who looks a lot like Fidel Castro, and Riddler has all the bucks to buy his dematerialiser thingy, which looks like a cheap torch, but is apparently not, and he threatens to use it indiscriminately on the landmarks of Gotham City to make it disappear. Great Slytherin snake! Guess what? Batman and Robin save the day in the nick of time by solving one last riddle. Holy cryptology, what was that all about? I don't know, Dick. But not before one more round of fisticuffs at the Puzzle Factory. The soon-to-be-open no-man jigsaw puzzle factory. During which Robin gets kicked in the shoe. Holy trampoline! The scientist gets a second chance to use his skills for good instead of evil, and peace is restored in Gotham. Now, Fiona, you mentioned they were playing Happy Birthday as the song. I didn't notice that at all while they were playing it. They didn't sing it, but it was to the tune of Happy Birthday. But this is the tune of Happy Birthday, like the Patty and Mildred Hill song. Like the song everyone knows is Happy Birthday. It's fascinating to hear that because you don't really hear the song on TV very much Mm, because the estates of the hills, they tend to sue a lot of people. Yes. Now, I believe it's entered public domain now. Does anyone know? Computer. (laughs) Has it entered the public domain yet? Both the music and lyrics to Happy Birthday to You are in public domain in both the European Union and United States. Broader point, they don't actually say what anniversary it is, just that it is his anniversary. Yeah, they said it was the first time he'd donned the cape and cowl. Mm. Had we ever seen that before? Was that in the film? Was that Well, not at all. So we haven't seen his origin. Like, we've been mm. told of his origin. So the very first episode of Batman is a Riddler episode. And they do talk about his parents being murdered and that's why he became Batman. Mm. But you never really see, like, the origin story at all of mm. Batman. Like, that's never a thing. Yeah. I'm guessing the anniversary is probably more tied with the fact that this episode aired a couple of weeks after the one-year anniversary of the series going to air. Uh-huh. So I guess that's the tangential Well, yeah, I imagine, yeah, but thing, you but think that's safe. Within the world of the show itself. Mm. It's yeah. a big one because it warrants this big do. Yes. Very much. I mean, they maybe do it every year. We don't know for sure. Was this the first time Batman had ever shed a tear? I noticed he was wiping his his cheek, single tear. The event brought him to... Look, I feel that he's done that before. He probably <laughs> also did that in the very first two-parter where Jules St. John fell into the Batcave nuclear oh. reactor. <laughs> if you didn't then, then it's a yeah. bit rich to do I mean, it at your anniversary party. He was very emotional. I can't remember mm. if finger came to cow to wipe away this here. Sure. <laughs> yeah. The important issues we discuss here on Batman Land. Also, I was very surprised by this anniversary. I did not see that coming. I don't know about you guys, but... Well, I just thought maybe they were still working out the plot because it was all a bit, you got to come here, you got to come here, and it's a very languid opening, shall mm, we say, for a Batman mm. episode. Well, I was concerned because I thought that the Riddler was inside Commissioner Gordon's office mm. and there was some sort of hostage situation taking oh. place, which got me thinking, do Gordon... Because there's only one line in and out of the Batcave, which is that phone... Mm. Like, does Gordon have a safe word just in case there is some sort of issue happening? <laughs> this what is would true. that be, I, I mean, wonder? Yeah, I'm sure Batman and Robin themselves have a safe word, and I suspect <laughs> that Gordon and O'Hara have a safe word, but that's an entirely different TV show. <laughs> yeah, would listen. <laughs> would watch. <laughs> yeah, different type of Batusi. <laughs> now, Fiona, you yes. and I, 
We've spent some time watching a fair bit of Batmans around this place. You could say that. I would suggest that neither of us are particularly big fans of this two-parter. I too was intrigued by the idea of John Aston playing the Riddler. And can I just say, John Aston, I think fantastic in everything he's in. And I really enjoyed seeing him on screen. Totally lived up to what I wanted. But I don't know that he's necessarily the best Riddler. Well, I just think he would have made a good villain on his own. I think they could have just made up a villain for John Aston to play rather than have him conform to the Riddler type. We should talk about the role of the Riddler here. So throughout the entire first season in the movie, it's Frank Gorshin playing the role of the Riddler. Apparently the going rates for a actor appearing in the Batman Land TV show, in the Batman TV show, on Batman Land, we pay nobody. (laughs) (laughs) No contract disputes here. No, nothing like that. The going rate was $2,500. However, William Dozier, who's the executive producer of the show, refused to pay Frank Gorshin when he wanted double that. So he was after five grand per appearance, which, I mean, this is $1,966, Mm. $67. That's a substantial amount, but it's probably not like a crazy amount. But for a week's work, you know, what can you ask for? Hmm, yeah. Yeah, apparently you can ask for $5,000. You, <laughs> you, you, you do not get the $5,000. <laughs> yeah, you get John Aston. What is it? So all season there's been a bunch of efforts to have the Riddler as the villain in the show. But each time you can tell that they weren't able to get Frank Gorshin to come back. Mm. So they'd come up with another villain. So we saw Maurice Evans a couple of weeks ago as the puzzler. Mm. Uh, there was also a few other villains along the way that were clearly Riddler episodes. There was a Joker episode, which was obviously a Riddler episode, and a few others that have been created to try to fill the void. But it feels to me in this one, there's no riddles, there's only puzzles, which makes me think they wrote it as a Puzzler episode because they can't do the Riddler. And then actually got like the idea, let's just put the Riddler in it as a John Aston recast. Yeah, maybe John fit the Riddler suit better, so they made it yeah. a Doesn't leave much to the imagination, does it? No, it does not. <laughs> I think it's a very bold choice yes. to say, yes, I can wear this costume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. And that's the thing with the Riddler as well. Sometimes he's got a suit rather than the skin tight leotard. Mm. Why not put him in the suit? Because it's not like John Ashton's got a terrible body. No. Nope. But like that, that costume does not hide anything. <laughs> there is no forgiveness. No. Correct. Yeah. And way too much give. <laughs> Tell me again, you cringing knaves. Am I not the king? You, you are, are the king, king Riddler. King, king, king. So as I said earlier, I'm a massive fan of John Aston. I grew up watching The Addams Family. I think Channel 9 used to screen it back mm. in the day. I think I've seen every episode of that God knows how many times. And then the movies were pretty good. Like yeah. Values is probably the better one of the two. But, you know, they're both really great films. He wasn't in them, I don't think. Did he mm. make a cameo? I don't think so. Yeah. He voiced the animated series, but uh, not the... Uh, yeah, so Angelica John Aston, he's come back for a few Adams Family-related things. So there was a 1977 TV movie, which I think was called Halloween with the Adams Family. So he appeared in that. And he also came back as Grandpa Adams in a 1999 TV series. It was a one-season wonder, surprisingly enough. I was a Canadian-US co-production with a bunch of actors you don't know and John Aston. And on the Adams Family theme, within Batman, there's a bit of a connection there. We've had Caroline Jones come in a couple of times, known yeah. as Morticia. But there's been a couple of Adams Family actors who've appeared in the show. So you mentioned Caroline Jones. She's done two parts. And last week, we saw mm. her as Marsha Queen of Diamonds for the second time. Her reappearance? Yeah. Do you know the other guest appearance in here? No. Ted Cassidy, who played Lurch in The Adams Family... He came back in this show playing a little character called Lurch. <laughs> so, you know, when he climbed the window and, like, the actor steps out, of course. reprised the character of Lurch. So the Adams family were technically in Gotham City because, you know, the butler's not going to travel by himself. Nice little cross-promotion. Quite a fair bit of cross-promotion. It's not the only Batman connection, though, to the Adams family cast, the original. Uh, we all remember our favourite character from the Adams family, 
Cousinette. Cousinette was played by an actor named Felix Seeler. Now, Felix is a diminutive actor of 1.19 metres in height. And so he's played a lot of character sort of costume work. And he was the Emperor Penguin in Batman Returns. <gasps> oh, you know, right at the end of the movie. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Very sweet. Um, and The Thing. We all know what role he played in the Batman show. You know, The Thing. He's oh, the hand. He's the hand. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a trick question because he played itself <laughs> and it's only in the Abbas family. Oh. Don't look at me like that, Fiona. <laughs> okay. What's that? That's my friend, Thing. What a charming helper. He's been my companion since childhood. You you, you don't think he's peculiar, do you? Of course not. We must accept our friends for what they are. John Aston, further to that, has a really interesting bit of TV trivia in that he's in the episode of Love American Style, which was the episode that spun off Happy Days. So do you know Love American Style? I do not. I'm getting into the weeds now. A little bit. Like, this is a major half hour of TV. So Love American Style was an anthology show that used to exist back in the day and that have two 15-minute stories in every episode. And so, like, they were just usual, just general sort of stories. But there was one episode that really resonated with the American people and it was this thing called Love and Happy Days. And it's about a family, middle American family in the 50s who they got a television and the young child in a family, a guy named Richie Cunningham, Ron Howard, mm-hmm. uh, he thought it was an opportunity to meet girls with it, so he'd invite girls to the family house to watch TV, and um, him and his friend Potsy saw it as a great little endeavour. Ah. Anyway, the episode you know, definitely resonated with people, and they spun it off into its own show. However, John Aston, he was in the other anthology episode. Oh. Didn't get the spin-off. Didn't get the spin-off. <laughs> Fair enough. Shame. But he did get the Adams Family. Indeed. But that's three seminal shows that he's pretty well connected to. Hmm. And he's still with us. He had a birthday just the other week, actually. He's 88 years young. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, John Aston. Yeah, father of Sean. So Mm. adopted child, but, you know, still father. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Fiona, do you know Deanna Lund, who played Anna Graham? No. Uh, she was I? she was a regular in Land of the Giants. Ah, uh, okay. Which you would have watched a bit of that growing up as a kid, wouldn't you? I've got to be honest, no, not how a lot. Have, how have I watched all these classics? I saw <laughs> the terrible Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, I never saw that. Oh, I do love him though. <laughs> is is it worth a look out of curiosity? No, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I watched it and no. So we mentioned the dematerialiser thingy that uh, Professor Charm is selling around town and, and uh, to the Riddler. So he's played by German-born Martin Kosleck. Yeah, and he's got an interesting filmography. He I does. I saw some of this. Yeah, he fled Germany when the Nazis were coming to power in the 30s and went to Hollywood. And, of course, such were the prevailing attitudes at the time. He came to be typecast playing Nazis in films. And he actually played Joseph Goebbels five times and uh, also played other SS officers in other films. Um, But he didn't resent it like a lot of other German-born actors did, Um, and he actually saw it as a way to get back at the Nazis by depicting them on film. Mm. Yes. That's really fascinating. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But then when the Nazi films were on the way a little bit uh, post-war, he became a regular in B-movies. And his other famous role, other than for playing Goebbels, um, he was in The House of Horrors, where he played an insane sculptor who saves a monster, (laughs) but then has the monster go and kill all the art critics. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Nice nice plot. Adding that to the watch list. (laughs) Do you know if he kept the German accent throughout his career or if he managed to lose it? Uh, I don't believe so. Well, certainly not in Batman. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's a... Pretty heavy-handed. I can't wait to put my demolecularizer in your hands and watch the members of the Gotham City Science Institute quake 
at my handiwork. Episode highlights. Let's throw to Shelley because this is your first like involvement with the Batman show, and the episode I think really hit a bunch of buttons for you. What, <laughs> it did. Like, what were the highlights? Hit us through. What have you got? It was some of Adam's fabulous lines and his dismay at the destruction of public property, namely when the Riddler shoots an arrow at a door and Adam exclaims, Only the Riddler and his ilk would have such a flagrant disregard for private property. This door will have to be repaired. <laughs> it, was just a, it was just a bank door. <laughs> he was so upset and what it just I really got me. What I love is that Adam West spent his entire career trying to get away from the Batman character and no one could appreciate him as an actor in his own right, Adam West. Mm. But here you are just calling him oh, Adam I'm so all sorry. the way through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to, name sorry, switch, switch. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're so tight. Yeah, typecast him, typecast him. <laughs> No, that was amazing. I liked the the Riddler branding on everything. Like yeah. when the Riddler jumped out of the window, he had a, a Riddler trampoline that he jumped onto. And uh, also a really big fan of those wide shot fight sequences. Like there's no zoom ins or tight cropped shots. It's all, this is it. This is a wide shot. Here's the fight. <laughs> and, um, the best people. <laughs> yeah, and they and did. They the brought it. the most notable fight sequence of all in the show, I think, so far. Underwater. Oh, Yes. I love the switching between they decide, oh, we're going to pretend to swim at one point. We're mm. doing a freestyle stroke. And then they switch to just, no, we're just walking through water. Yeah. <laughs> There's no water here. Wait, wait, wait. Stroke. What do you yeah. pretend? <laughs> no pretend, no pretend. They were actually in water. They were in the tap. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> With some uh, bloop, bloop. Uh, oh, yes. Swacks and great effects. Uh, yeah. I like the first one. I don't remember if they did it, but like the first sound effect, they, like it started floating after. Yeah. The, no, they all did. Oh, they yeah. all did? Yeah. It was like With the bloop. air bubbles and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah. cool. Hell of a thing. So good. I <laughs> also liked the, everything is named, like a, they've got little name tags on everything, so they've mm-hmm. got their, their waterproof loot bags, which apparently did nothing because one of the henchmen had to hang out the dollar bills to dry and then was ironing them <laughs> shortly afterwards. Well, the <laughs> bag was waterproof, but the <laughs> But unfortunately, no, yeah. Maybe they yeah. just forgot to seal the top. <laughs> just all the little subtle details. I just, oh, it's Speaking yeah. of subtle details in the water, Batman and Robin came out very dry after that fight scene. They did. No bat water repellent on that one. But on the R&D front of the bat technology, we do see the use of experimental heel and toe bat rockets. Oh, yes. Yeah, so experimental that Robin didn't even think to use them when <laughs> he was drowning in cake. Yeah, this is true. But I like the live product testing. And they do tend to do that a lot when they're about to meet uncertain doom. It's true. And there's a lot going on in those shoes because in past episodes, we've had uh, bat springs, mm-hmm. if you can remember the boiling bat springs, <laughs> and also bulletproof soles. So now we've also got heel and toe bat rockets, and they're all very deceptively concealed in the uh, elegant slimline design. And despite all this going on in Robin's shoes, particularly, Burt Ward's still not much taller. No. <laughs> And he probably needs a bit of a shin guard now as well because he gets a swift kick from Anna. Yeah, the (laughs) only time at all that Anna actually does anything in the entire episode. Mm. Shin kick. With a pointy boot. Mm. Yes. That can hurt. So for me, the big set piece within this, the cliffhanger, was the enormous marshmallow quicksand cake. The anniversary cake that Mm. was meant to be for a photo shoot. (laughs) So they got on top of it and very, very, very slowly started to sink into it. Oh, yes. Now, I missed it. What was the rationale for getting on top of the cake? A photo shoot. Was it? They were being modelled for the marshmallow sculptures. Um, Correct. <laughs> okay, well, that were, all makes sense. Yeah. yeah, were conned into going up there when it was like maybe you could be sculpted from the ground, possibly. Mm. Probably and maybe need lift to be up the top. sculpture. Yeah. 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 
And who made the cake and who got it there without detecting the attention of Gotham City's finest? Mm, perplexing. Where do you get that much quicksand? <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> but at this time, there was a lot of use of quicksand in movies and TV shows yes, as a yes. device. Um, you don't see it as much these days. No, it's fallen out no. of fashion. There was actually a documentary on Viceland a couple of months ago which was talking about the use of quicksand in movies and the fetishization involved yeah. in a lot of quicksand. Very mm. interesting. It's true. Mm. Yeah. It's Very probably niche. still on the SPS On Demand. We'll see if we can include a link in the notes. Mm. Shelley would know. I should know this. Uh. My fiat is goo. It's like quicksand. It is quicksand, Robin. Riddler's own prepared mix cleverly disguised as strawberry icing. Horrible way to die. Yes. Is it usual that Batman counts down from zero in the opposite direction? What was the unusual... Sequencing for the countdown. Oh, was that like when he was firing zero off the minus five? And yeah, <laughs> just never heard that. But I'll zero use that from now on. Zero minus five. Zero, zero minus four. It's very technical. Zero it's very minus technical. three. <laughs> One of my favourite ongoing gags in the show is people from Gotham of whom don't know who Batman is. And so quite regularly it'll be, uh, sorry, and you are? And then he has to say, I'm Batman. And mm-hmm. there was one time where he has to make a phone call and is like, oh, it's Batman here. And then there's like some silence on the phone. And then you hear Adam, uh, Batman. Sorry, I almost called him Adam West as well. <laughs> you hear Batman saying, Batman, B. A-T-M. Very funny. But you get that in this episode as well where the delivery guy comes up and is like... Someone here called Batman? Yes, I'm Batman. Telegram. He's like, yes, I'm Batman. The man dressed like a bat. In full costume, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's fantastic. In fairness, if you didn't see the circle with the bat in it, you wouldn't know that he's a bat. True. Not completely obvious. I also really enjoyed Batman's philosophies in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. There was a little piece that he said... There's treasure at both ends of the rainbow, Commissioner. I think I'm going to take that to heart. I'll I'll remember that. We've got the use here of the Bat-Copter and the Bat-Cycle again in the same episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bat-Copter, of course, just stock footage from the Batman movie. (laughs) Do we have the Bat-Copter? Yeah, there's a... When they go to... Actually, I'm not even sure how they travelled across Gotham to get to the Bat-Cycle. Surely they'd have to take the Bat-Cycle with them. But they travel in the Bat-Copter... Huh. And then the next shot, they're in the bat cycle and they turn up at the building and make the point that we don't have enough time to climb the stairs, so let's get out our ropes, throw it to the top of the building, slowly climb up the building, and that'll be quicker than descending a staircase. Mm-hmm. And then there's a window gag yeah. from the uh, Riddler. And then Batman and Robin come through the window. Or was it Shelley? I forget. <laughs> it was me. Ah, oh, callback. Callback <laughs> to the intro. Yeah. yeah. Did anyone else notice that Neil Stafford playing Commissioner Gordon says ultimatum funny? Yes. Another Riddler gram. It's an ultimatum. He says something like ultimatum. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a weird line read, but. He regularly has weird line Mm -hmm. reads. It's fantastic. Perhaps his mind wasn't entirely on the job. (laughs) I think it rarely ever is. (laughs) What can we do, Batman? It saddens me, Commissioner, but I just don't know. The really extended riddle-solving sequences yeah. in the car, yeah. <laughs> which are really bizarre. I know. Well, that and the way the episodes opened with the uh, geometry lesson of cutting a cutting yes. a pie chart multiple ways. Like this, this one really makes you think. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Commissioner's takeaway from this event was... To us, Professor, who he is is nowhere near as important as where he is. At all times. That was kind of the the closing statement, which I thought was quite interesting. That was not what I was expecting from him in that moment. The where is probably the the least 
Well, for him, it's for him, job preservation. Exactly right. At this point in the show, we'd like to talk to our guests a little bit. First of all, Shelley, I didn't really introduce you thoroughly. Like, who are you? What is your deal? Why are you in the studio? Oh, talk to me. <laughs> um, well, I'm part <laughs> of provocative. Ooh, ooh. You only gave me a stern look. <laughs> um, I'm part of the SBS on demand crew. Loving it here. So honored to be joining you guys what, in the studio today. What do you do with on demand? Oh, because much. we were in like meetings all the time together. Yes. I mean, rarely the two of us are talking about work related things. <laughs> but I presume that you do work here. I do. Yeah. What's I your do. job okay. title? Uh, marketing coordinator. So okay. kind of. Uh, trying to find new audiences and then once we find them, kind of keep them interested by trying to, you know, show our all the hidden gems on the platform and on demand. We've got so many things. My favourite, actually, a little plug, um, after Batman, would be that Nirvana, the band, the show, which uh, they make lots of pop so culture references. That's an SBS Viceland show from it, Canada? It is, yes. Yeah. I believe they're based in Toronto and the whole premise is the two of them trying to book a show at the Rivoli. They're a band, but we don't ever see them play any music. And the whole thing is just pop culture references. And I'm sure there'd be some Batman ones in there somewhere, but uh, it's fabulous. Yeah, Shelley is always trying to get me to watch that show. Yes, I'm kind of obsessed. Yeah. I will do it, I promise, <laughs> one day. <laughs> You've obviously had Batman experience prior to Adam West. Like when you think about Batman, who is it that comes to mind for you? Mm, mm. I don't know. It's kind of a mishmash, you know. We've had so many iterations over the years. I guess when I was a young, youngin. Um, You're still a youngin. <laughs> we should say, Shelley, like mid-20s? Um, 29 this year. 29? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think when I cast my mind back to mid-90s, it's probably Val Kilmer. You know, with the the Riddler, actually, Jim Carrey's mm. iteration of that freaked me out quite a bit. <laughs> so was that your first Batman? I think it was, actually. But then I'm trying to think as well, like, my what was my first experience? And I always thought it was the Batman animated series. But mm. I think I was getting that confused with Gargoyles. <laughs> so they're quite similar. <laughs> Both pretty great. Um, so maybe I should give that a rewatch. Yeah. It's interesting you conflated the two because when people look back at the 90s in terms of like the great animated series, mm. the couple that come up are the Batman animated show, Gargoyles, which is a Disney animated show. Mm. And then you've got a couple of the other Disney cartoons from the time. So DuckTales, yep. Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like these are the ones. Darkwing Duck as well yeah. being the Batman parody. They're really beautiful. Beautifully yeah. animated. So a lot of high tension, high drama, high stakes. Definitely need to sit down and binge watch them all again. Yeah. I don't think I ever watched Gargoyles when I was a kid, but I definitely watched a lot of the other Disney cartoons mm. and they're all high quality animation. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Those Gargoyles were kind of hot too, strangely <laughs> enough. So it was definitely a formative TV show for Oh, you. yes. Very much yeah. so. So we can find you on Twitter at Hot Gargoyles. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll scramble to make that handle right now. <laughs> I bags it. So a couple of weeks ago on the show, we were chatting with one of our other colleagues, Sid Sharma, who he also, I think, very similar age to you, grew up with that Batman Forever film. But the soundtrack was really what was oh. his first Batman experience in a big way. Do you remember that soundtrack? Was that something that you connected to? Greatest soundtrack possibly of all time. <laughs> That's it's a big call. <laughs> it's a big call. call. And I mean, the Clueless soundtrack was roughly uh, around the same time. And it came out same time as Godzilla's soundtrack, you know, with that uh, Led Zeppelin slash Puff Daddy Remix of Cashmere. That was kind of uh, mm. one of the greatest. Oh, who could forget? <laughs> but, you know, Fiona, I have no idea. <laughs> blast that in the credits. Google it, Dan. 
No, I remember the Godzilla uh, soundtrack having, was it the Goo Goo Dolls is the main song for it? Oh, I can't I remember they had a very cool film clip and it was filmed with them inside at a, I guess it was New York City apartment. Yeah. And Godzilla is like, mm. you know, sloshing around the place and like yep. there's sort of vibrations and everything in the buildings falling down around mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool film clip. Yeah. We don't get a lot of movie themes like we did in the 90s anymore, do we? We had the Armageddon with Aerosmith. Ooh, we sure did, yes. And then obviously the, this Batman with Seal. Kissed by the Rose. Yeah, it's, it's usually your Bond film maybe. There's a yeah, big song yep. tied to Good it call. or yeah, some yeah, of the bigger yeah. ones. But I like the film clips. They're usually tied in with the movies as well. Mm. So both of those yeah. that you mentioned, like they're all ones where the film clip itself mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. that. Yeah. We'll think of Prince's soundtrack to um, <gasps> yes. uh, Michael Keaton, Batman. Mm-hmm. Did that have, like was that sort of, like was the film clip around the film? I want to say yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it had remember. the audio of Kim Basinger and Vicky Bell. Oh, sick. Yeah. <laughs> Fully sick. <laughs> I was doing a bit of research about the Riddler and uh, his history and I came across a little tidbit online. I don't know if this was true, but Leonardo was going to be tipped to be the Riddler in the final Nolan movie. DiCaprio and not the Ninja Turtle. (laughs) That is correct, but I would like to see that also. Yeah, out-of-the-box casting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah, very strange. Instead we got Bane. Yes. And Catwoman. Oh, yeah. True. Selena. Mm -hmm. And Talia al Ghul. True. All true, these are all facts. Correct, <laughs> we did. That was a big one. How do you guys feel about that film? I'm kind of glad that they did. Like, I really like the Riddler as a character. Mm. I'm kind of glad we didn't see him in one of the Nolan films because I think the Riddler as a character is such a broad, silly idea of leaving clues around to <laughs> sort of things. And once you take that away, like, what even is the character? Yeah. I mean, maybe they would have found something and I'd be looking at the Riddler in a whole new way. Mm. But I don't know, I just can't quite see that. And also, because he's so silly... Following him straight after the Joker, where yeah. they're such similar characters to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious to see what Leo would have done with it, though. I mean, I, I don't always love a Leo performance mm. um, because quite often he doesn't disappear into the character. It's always Leo playing mm. someone. Worst so I, Leo I performance. Ooh. J. Edgar Hoover. <gasps> yeah. Stupid. <laughs> One for the ages mm. in a bad way. Yes. So I'm curious to see what he would have done with that. Would have just been Leo in a green onesie. Yeah, I'd kind of like to have seen the Penguin crop up in one of the Nolan films because mm. the beginning, like Batman Begins, had a very strong crime element to it, dealing with the crime families. And at that stage in the comics, and they carried this over to the Gotham TV show, the Penguin was a mob boss. Mm. Yeah, so like it kind of would have made sense for the era if that was something they integrated in, but we never saw that. And it just kind of felt too big and global, I guess, when they started playing around with the other characters in Batman, sorry, Dark Knight Rises. Sure. Instead, we got Bane, who I struggled to understand with yeah. the mouthpiece. I liked the Bane character. I just didn't like that they did the back breaking and then you've got the back half of that movie, which is him trying to get out of that hole. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but I was there for that. That mm. was good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. It just slows it down for me. Mm. <laughs> Can't do it. Yeah, just give me someone, your Philip Seymour Hoffman's giving me a bit of a wah, wah, wah. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. Give him the um, bat propelled boots to get mm, over the top of that, that would have uh, been amazing. big chimney thing. Put him in the Riddler costume. <laughs> nope. Each week on the show, we do like to talk about the lessons that we've learned from Batman. He's a very inspirational figure. Shelley, you're our guest in the studio. What did you take away from the great man himself? Maybe that I need to uh, do more crossword puzzles. Not very good at them. Fiona, what about yourself? What did you take away? Well, I mean, other than don't pose on top of a giant marshmallow cake, I I didn't really learn a lot. 
Yeah, uh, this week, and it's not really quite a lesson that I learned from the show itself. It's more something that I really came to a realization myself while watching it. Always have a safe word. Well, adios, amigos. Better get to work. That brings us to the end of another Batman Land. Shelley, it has been a pleasure having you in the Batman Land studios. Thank you guys so much. Now, usually we like to share our social media contacts. Uh, Are you on Twitter? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what was that handle I need to go home and make uh, immediately? Gargoyle. That's the one. Find me there. At SBS On Demand. Yes, of course. And there's lots of good social media work that comes through there. Mm-hmm. Fiona, you've spent some time on Twitter. I've seen you there. I have, to my detriment sometimes. But my handle is at anything but Fifi. You haven't said anything that's lost you a job yet? No. People can find me at the Dan Barrett. If you are talking about Batman Land on the social media, use the hashtag Batman Land. How do we do it? Now, we do a number of other podcasts that if you like this one, you might also enjoy. Fiona, you've got a little project that you've been bubbling away at for the last, what, two years? My little project, as you call it, is called The Playlist Podcast, where we talk about movies and TV, quite often what's available at SBS On Demand, and get a few good interviews too, quite frankly. So that's The Playlist. And hosting that is yourself and Nick Bassine, who's the other Batman Land contributor. You may be familiar with his work, yes. Mm. And a third podcast that we've been working on at the moment is The Good Fight, SBS fan podcast. Look it up in your search engines. It'll come up pretty easily. Each week, myself and Sarah Malik, the two of us, watch The Good Fight, which is airing every Wednesday night here on the SBS. We then sit down and discuss the episodes that went to air and the various news stories that inform the story. So each episode of that is inspired by something that happened in real life. So I think it's a pretty entertaining, just educational half hour. Mm. Educational. Is there a better way to sell a program than that? <laughs> no, people generally enjoy it. I think it's a it little good. show. Anyway, folks, this has been Batman Land. We'll be back next week. Shelley, thank you very much. Thank you. Fiona, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. As always, a special thanks to Jeremy, our producer. <laughs>